malam itu malam ya aku tunggu aku kangen malmingan sama ibu-ibu hmm, sorry ya mas aku belum ibu-ibu oh. tapi ya insya Allah diperkirakan bu singlenya mesti diulang-ulang kah sampai berapa saat terdit ya kira-kira jadi penasaran <laughs> ya gitu deh tolong besok tuh ya tak kabar ya Yusuf aku adik muda ngapa ibu? Loh, aku tuh sebagai orang tua Itu lebih memilih diam tapi mendoakan bu Mau yang masih single atau yang sedang persiapan perhelatan pesta besar menuju Samawa Itu aku doain Intinya kalau aku tuh gini Podcast ini harus long lasting, happily ever after Apapun status kalian Ya ampun, terharu banget dong nih saya Tolong itu aja juga bu. Biar saya juga bisa mulai syuting syuting solo mandiri gitu loh bu. Karena ditinggalkan tuh sedih banget loh bu serius. Hukum, aku ya tahu kok rasanya. Tapi memang mau nggak mau kita ninggalin dulu apapun yang menjadi pergulatan kita saat ini sih. Weh, bijak sekali kakak. Lah, tapi kenapa mesti ninggalin? Lah, kamu saudara yang akan ngobrol sama sobat Malmi sudah datang ya, Bu. Nunggu di teras. Tadi cuma saya suhu teh panas dan mendoan. Kasian ya, jauh dari tali. Oh iya, bener kalau begitu. Ayolah, segera kita ajak ngobrol karena pasti seru banget. Saya juga udah nggak sabar. Mari sobat Malmi gabung bersama kami. Ya. Hi Sobat Malming, welcome back to our Saturday Quiz. I hope everyone is healthy and happy, as happy as the three of us, because we have a very special guest today. Another dream come true guest, right, to Yusefa and Mas Thomas. That's so true, Gulanoka. He is far away. He is from far away, uh, Italy. He is not only an ER enthusiast, practitioner, but also a book author. I believe many of Indonesian teachers and their students have read one of his amazing books and used the book for some interesting before and after reading activities. The book title is Eckhart. So can you guess who he is? I know. I have read Eckhart with my students too and I love that book. The book is really inspiring to help students understand about bullying and stop doing it. He is Michael Lacey Freeman, right? Oh my God. I can't believe I will meet my favorite book author today. It's true, Mas Thomas, yes, you are right. And I'm also very excited to meet him. I have read his second book too, uh, Dot to Dot, and let's greet wow. him then. Um, hello, Michael, how are you? Hello, hello everybody. Really nice to, to be here uh, today. Um, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, and thank you so much for being with us today. I'm glad that uh, we can make it happen apart from the challenge time difference between Indonesia, Ohio, and also Italy. Uh, Michael, first of all, could you introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, m- my name is Michael um, and uh, I live in Italy. Um, but I come from um, Britain. I moved to Italy when I was uh, about 26 years old. And, uh, 
and intending to stay for one year, but I, I, I liked it so much that I stayed. And I've been teaching English uh, here in Italy for 30 years and writing stories oh, for about, well, for about 10 years, 10 or 10 years, the last 10 years, I've been writing stories, uh, uh, which one of those stories was Egghead, um, but also other stories as well. Um, and, um, and so I spend my time teaching uh, English, uh, writing stories and talking about stories uh, uh, in Italy and also other parts of the world when, when possible. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, yeah, and here I am uh, in front of you today, really happy uh, to be here. Yeah. Thank you for the introduction, Michael. Yeah. Can't believe right. that we finally talk again. <laughs> oh, yeah, by the way, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Congratulations again, because Eckhead won the Language Learner Literature Award by Extensive Reading Foundation in 2017. Um, now, Michael, what is Egghead and why did you decide to write that book? It's, uh, that's a, a great question. Um, I was uh, bullied um, a lot at school. I was uh, both physically and mentally. And um, until I was about 16, um, this continued. Um, and then um, when this period finished, I tried to forget, like we all do when we have, we suffer, uh, when uh, we, we try to put it away somewhere in our, in our heart and, 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 and carry on with our lives. Um, and I did so for a long time. Uh, I didn't talk to anybody about the, that period of my life, my, my childhood. I didn't talk about the bullying. But then uh, one day I was back in Britain, it was my birthday. And I was going to a restaurant uh, to meet um, um, some people. And I walked into the restaurant and there were 100 people in the restaurant. All friends of mine, relatives, family. It was a surprise birthday party. It was a beautiful moment for me. But my mother had positioned one person by the door. When I came in, the first person I saw was my teacher from school when I was a young boy. My teacher who helped me so much through the difficult period of of being bullied. And when I saw her, I became uh, a little boy again. I said, uh, good evening, Mrs. Hewitt, with a a voice, and I even made myself smaller. She was so important to me, and to see her again had such an impact on me that I decided that the next story I, I wanted to write was Egghead. I wanted to become that little boy again, to, 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 to see the world through his eyes again, and to tell my story. Because I thought, it's time, it's time. And it was very therapeutic for me to do this. It's not good to keep things hidden. I just told my story, and um, very simply, directly, very quickly as well. And um, when I finished the story, I, I remember I was sitting here in this where I am now. And I had the, the feeling that there was one line, there was something missing. And so I went out for a walk and I came back half an hour later 
and I realized, and I wrote one line, one sentence, and then I knew the story was finished and I was feeling really like such a feeling of liberation. That last line is basically when Egghead talks to the reader and Egghead says, maybe Andrew is helping you. And that was the line. And at that moment, I knew the story was finished. And um, I just hoped that even if it helped one child, I would be happy to feel less alone, to know that they're not alone, you know, because that is one of the strongest things you feel, I think. Uh, when you are a victim of things like that, you feel alone, you feel there's nobody who can understand. So I just thought maybe if one person understood, that would be, it would be worth it. it would, I would be happy. <laughs> wow. I, I could go on, but yeah, basically that was the reason it was because I just had to write it. I had to write it. Yeah. I'm speechless actually, Michael, seriously. <laughs> yeah, so. Michael, uh, I can say that the story is based on your personal experience when you were a kid, right? And yes. that's why I can see also the similarity between you and also the boy on the cover. <laughs> that's you, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, and the artist <laughs> perfect job. That's me. And standing there yeah, and the yeah. feeling of not belonging is just with that picture i think yeah i wanted a picture where there That's was the right. back of me um um yeah looking out looking at the school yeah absolutely um it's something that um i really wanted to con to, to give that message that uh I, I what is amazing to me is that now when i wrote egghead my dream was to go to schools and to speak to people about bullying. This was what I wanted to do. And I said, I will take Egghead and I can go into schools. This was my biggest and wildest dream. And what happened is actually the opposite. Egghead took me. The story took me. It was like this. It was, and going into schools now, I, I, um, there is a picture somebody took of me from the back when I'm talking to some children. And if you put that picture, that photo next to the cover of Egghead, it's quite interesting. Um, now I'm inside the school and talking about bullying and sharing. And um, the reaction is always the, so, so positive from the, 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 the children that have read there. So I always go in when I speak to them, um, as a surprise, they don't know I'm coming into the classroom and they have just finished the story. And I say, hello, my name is Michael. And some people used to call me Egghead and they look at the book, they look at me, <laughs> the front cover of the book, it's, it's not much older, but yeah, seven, 1973. <laughs> and then they realize that, um, it's um, and and then they start talking in English, and that's the beautiful thing. They they want to know. They have questions. 
um, some people who never spoken in English before in class speak. And, they, and even when I'm in Italy, because I don't tell them that I know Italian. At the end of the lesson, I say, okay, I'm, I'd speak to them in Italian to say goodbye. And they, what? You speak? You speak Italian? Why didn't you tell us this? But interestingly, after knowing, they continue speaking to me in English. And that's the power of a, a story as well. That, that's the that's our language. That's the the language they use to speak about the story. And, and tell me if I'm yeah you know, if you want to uh, if I'm going on too long, just stop me and tell me if. Uh, um, but and and the, the I, I I meet in this way children who are being bullied, um, and I know who they are because I tell the teacher, don't tell me which children are being bullied. I will tell you. Um, and see if I'm right, and I'm always right, because I can see them, and I can, and I understand from the question that they ask. They ask me this one question, and I know it, that they are being bullied. They say, "Michael, are you happy now?" A simple question: Are you happy now? Because if you are bullied, you think that it's not possible to imagine a future when you will be happy. And so they need that confirmation. You know, yes, I'm, I'm happy. I'm very happy. You can be happy. You will be happy. So that little boy in the front cover now is the beautiful thing for me is that now that little boy is inside the school and talking to children who are being bullied through the medium of a story. Um, anyway, Michael, is that okay if you share a little bit about um, what you felt at that time when you were a kid and you had to go to school and you didn't feel okay when you had to go to school? Yeah, it was uh, terrible. Uh, yeah, I, I would, I, all kinds of fantasies I would have that the school was going to disappear. I, I, I you know, when, when a foggy day, I would dream and fantasize that the school uh, didn't exist anymore because I couldn't see it. And I would walk to school hoping that the school wasn't there. But obviously, when I got near, I could see the school. It was there again. I had to go again. I think that for a child, the, what the problem is for a child is that if you, if you hear, I heard, when you hear these things that, that the other children say, when you are very young, you think it's the truth. You have no faculty to, to say, oh, that's just what they think. It's not true. You, you internalize it and you believe that it's true. You, you bring it into your... So all of the things that when children bully other children, the bullied child thinks that these things are true, that they are worthless, they are no good, they have no future, they are ugly, unwanted, unloved failures. All of these things are internalized. So it's about surviving. It's about trying to stop people from saying these things and hit, but you think it's true. And that's why children don't tell their parents. Often it's because they think it's true and they don't want their brother or sister or mother or father 
to know that they are a failure. And it's like, it's very powerful. Um, in the story, I mentioned this. I say, you know, I can't tell my mother and father because they will bully me too. Or they will think, they will know I make it too. So it's, uh, that's what you go through, this feeling that you have to survive. You have to get through the day, get to the end of the day. But you believe these things. You believe them yourself. You think, okay, I am egghead that's who i am and i make it when i go home as well mm. i make it all the time my some people don't know my mother and father don't know mm. okay i won't tell them and that's and now it's even more terrible for children because when they go home they are not safe because the social media follows them into the bedroom when i was a child my bedroom i was i was safe um, from the bullying, but uh, now I don't, there is no, um, no, no it's escape. Yeah. Yes. yeah, so it's even more important to reach out to children to sort of give them a chance to sort of um, give, to, to give them the opportunity where they feel that they can share, they mm. can tell <clears throat> their family True. and these things that it's okay that they're not worthless and michael but as i read the book i don't really see that you actually talk back to those who believe you but instead you choose to talk about all of your problems to andrew why is that yeah, yeah I, i i i really um felt strengthened in going i went inside myself and i think i found that part of me which is impossible to break this that, that all of us have the And different cultures call it different things, I think. Uh, but it's that part of us that is universal that that says, "Michael, you're okay. We, I, I love you." You know. Um, and I found that part of myself. And I remember the first moment when I found um, I was eating in the school. Uh, I was eating my dinner at school, and a little voice inside me said. Uh, It sounds strange now, but a little boy said, "Michael, uh, be careful that the potato is hot." And I, it was—it was me. It was a part of me speaking to a, another part of me. Be careful, mate. It's okay. And all the time, it was the voice telling me that I was okay. <clears throat> so I said, "Yeah, I would make myself very small at school." And um, sit in the corner, but I would have Andrew, and to uh, uh, I was uh, the source of strength I came from him, and I still do. I still do. Maybe I don't call him Andrew, but he's <laughs> still there. So Andrew is still with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, as a child, I had to make this. Think this in this presence inside me, this loving presence. I had to make it into another boy, a child, a, a boy, the boy I wanted to be in a way. You know, this was a boy that I would admire and want, and and who liked me, and and that was uh, how I kind of saw Andrew being like that. You know, it's um, it was a cool name, Andrew. It was um, yeah, I had this friend. Nobody knew about him. It was my secret. 
Okay. Anyway, anyway, I have um, two inner voices too. So I think that will happen when, mm. when you told us that there's another voice telling you that, hey, you are okay, that you are loved. And um, if you do this, then you will get hurt. Uh, the potato is hot. Uh, I have that voices too, but I don't call them Andrew. I, I have mm. other names for them, but and they are still here until today when when I feel that I'm not okay and yeah. the first persons that I will tell that I am not okay will be them and they will talk something good to me and I will feel better. But then if I couldn't do anything about that and I will turn to Buyusefa and go, I'm not okay. <laughs> and ask for support. <laughs> <laughs> so first, like, so it's like your your imaginary friend, and then yes. if your imaginary friend cannot convince you, then you turn into the real friend. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yes, good. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot I, of you know, a lot of people, the children often say they're sad because Andrew has gone away, and. Um, yeah. You know that's one of the reactions, but obviously the I, what was it was positive because I didn't need Andrew so much. But a lot of children say, "Where what's happened to Andrew? I want Andrew back." And the idea is that he hasn't he hasn't gone anywhere. He's there whenever I need him, and he's also with you as well. You know that's the and from culture to culture, yeah, Andrew takes on many forms. I think, and yeah, it's um. Oh, wow, <laughs> that um, yeah, that uh, you're not talking back to your friends. Actually, that answers my curiosity, uh, Michael. And and I see it as something good because I mean, like, if I were you, I would get mad to the rest of my classmates. Mm. You know, <laughs> because mm. I don't want to be bullied. Like I say, like, hey, I don't want to be bullied, and I will get mad. But uh, reading your story, I think uh, I see something good that sometimes we do not need to talk back to those who bullied us. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, I believe that bullying happens. Bullying exists. And most of the time we cannot avoid it. So what I see from your story is that you focus on how to deal with it instead of how to talk about it and how to you know like to Absolutely. have like some confrontation with your classmates Absolutely. so um yeah That's so how do you mm -hmm. yeah so how do you see the impact of your book being read by the students children in many countries because at mm. first your expectation was only being read by one one two one child and you're happy but now it's everywhere I, yeah, it, it's it's incredible, and um, I think the way it impacts is on two different levels. Actually, um, the interesting thing is that, like on one level, okay, it's it speaks to children maybe who do feel, and there are so many children who are bullied, and and it, it speaks to them, and 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 it because it speaks to them in a different language generally, because most of the people who read it are not their English is not their first language. Um, it's actually a language they can use to talk about something that maybe they can't talk about so easily in their own language. It becomes a, a way in which this, this subject can be discussed in class 
because they talk about it in English and not in Italian or not in, in, in another language or, or Spanish or whatever it is. Um, because, um, and so the actual subject of bullying, can, I, I, as I said, when I go into the classroom, um, I notice immediately the children that are being bullied. I can't speak to them as like single them out and talk to them uh, individually, but I'm looking at them as I'm talking. As soon as I know who they are, when I'm talking, I'm, my eye contact is very much focused on those, those kids that I know are being bullied. And I can see that it's a comfort to them, even though I'm a different, totally different generation, different culture. There's something universal. There's a kind of a bond that emerges. And I've had, so to have this opportunity to do that, I feel really blessed that I have a chance to, to communicate, to connect, uh, and, and, and just to help, you know, in some way. And then I, I think it's also one of the things about Egghead also speaking from the point of view of a teacher and practitioner of extensive reading is that it has been for some students a, a kind of a home run book, a book that has given children the confidence to say, I can read a book in English and I can enjoy it. And it, it makes a difference to some the, the relationship with with language with with English changes has changed because and so I feel blessed on these two different levels really that um, uh, and yeah I never would have imagined I always write with the I mean I wrote Egghead in the hope that it would be good enough so that I could write another story because of what I wanted to write right right I didn't have I had no expectation and that you know I would be going to Tokyo and being given the award and I would never I, I would have said are you crazy you know no, it's my little story you know and so yeah it's every day I'm very grateful and thankful and and you think about it something that was as a word that was as I said in Tokyo I think that you know it was a word I was terrified of egghead for so many years and now it's it's a positive word and that's all been happened not through fighting or exactly as you said not through i could have reacted but then i would have been doing what they wanted me to do which to give energy to this idea uh, that's what they wanted by not reacting by doing what i did i didn't give it the power I didn't give those people the power to make me small, to make me smaller, to make me suffer. I didn't give them the energy. It's about, in the story when I jump on David, it really is that moment when I understood that, that if I do that, then I'm giving the energy to the bullies and I'm no better than them. And I looked in his eyes and understood that. I understood. I saw my face in his face, I saw. And so to seek out people, you know, people who, you know, um, who you can share this with, you know. Uh, am I speaking, uh, okay, not too fast, I hope. Just tell me if, uh, 
Good, thank God. Yeah, and also your story is wonderful. But I also heard, yeah, I also heard that Ehtek has a song, right? Mm. Could you sing the little part of that song for us? It would be wonderful for us to hear that directly from you, Michael. Yeah. Uh, well, have, you, have you got the song with you? Have you got it like on um, like the background, or I am? Uh, have you have you got it there? Can you play a few bars of it, or do you have it on YouTube? Um, Can you search, Thomas? Sorry. Because like, um, yeah, okay, I'm maybe I, can start, I could start by telling you about the song a little bit before, just to yeah. warm up before sure. I sing, give sure. it some context. Um, the song, uh, I was on a train um, and the book had come out, the story had arrived and I have a friend who is, uh, um, who I play music with and I said at six in the morning and I phoned him and I said, we have to do a song for Egghead. And he was still asleep. You know, he said, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> and I said, uh, I have this song. And I started to sing this. Da -da 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 I said, I've had this song in my head all, for 30 years, this song about, and he said, this is incredible. He said, uh, because I have a song in, that I made three years ago, which is similar to this. I said, well, it must mean this destiny. I have to write this song. And so uh, we have to write this song together. So we did. And um, he said he wrote this song in Japan when he was on honeymoon. Mm -hmm. The song we wrote, we, so we kind of put our songs together. We put our songs together. And then um, I waited like for the song to arrive. And it takes some time to mix the song in the studio. And I was going to Japan. I was going to Tokyo. And the announcement said, uh, okay, flight da, 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 for Tokyo boarding. Uh, and I had to go and get the, I was walking up the stairs onto the airplane. Ding, and I saw my email and the song arrived as I was about to take off. And so I listened to it, you know, for the first time going to Japan, the song maybe had yeah, part of its beginning was in Japan and it was coming back to Japan, the song, and I was listening and listening. And at the conference, I didn't sleep because I was listening to this song over. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, as I said, um, and, you know, the, the thing about the song is that the words of the song, I, um, I wrote very quickly. Um, the, the verses to the song. Yeah, it's very simple. Did, do you know that? Do you remember the lines? Some of the lines. I am. Do you remember? I am. Um, it's, it's like saying. It's, in um, the, it's the title. Is the title crying? The title is crying. Yeah. Yes. And I um, found it. It's, do you yeah. want us to uh, play the music? Yes. Please. Yes. Yeah. Just play, if you can, can you, have you got it on yeah. YouTube? Yeah. Can I play it now? Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Thomas, you have to share your screen so they can listen to the song. Can you hear that? And then I can sing along to it. If you can, if you can, can you find it. it. 
Echo. I'm the I'm the best, I'm the worst, I'm the last, I'm the first, I'm in chains, I am free. I am you, you are me. Okay, that's the first verse, yeah. I'm the best, I'm the worst, I'm the last, I'm the first. I, I'm, I'm a normal guy, I'm, a, I'm like everybody, I'm a normal person. Sometimes I'm the best, sometimes I'm the worst. Sometimes I'm, and I am you and you are me. And it's a, it's a song that's saying like, trying to say we are, we are the same. You know, I don't want to be different. I want to be the same. I want to be like you. I want you to find what is the same about us, you know. So I'm the, I'm, I'm the best, I'm the worst, I'm the last, I'm the first. I'm in chains, I'm free, I'm you, I, you are me. And to find that part, is, that's where the link with Andrew is. Because that's the part that unites us. That, and so the song really was about that, you know. You will be living in my heart. Uh, if you listen to my story, you will be living in that. This idea of living in my heart, if you listen to my story, because that's what we have to do, all of us. If we listen, then uh, we understand each other. Ignorance, ignorance, and the, the word ignorance is, is just when you ignore, you're not listening to a story of somebody else, you are ignoring. Ignorance is that. So we have to listen to each other. If you listen to my story, we, you will be living in my heart where Andrew is. And that's the idea behind the song. And um, my one teacher in Rome told me once that he was teaching in the garden of the school. And there was a, a person came walking past outside and he was quite like a... Um, um, something about him made the children laugh and then make fun. And the teacher said, look, what are we doing here? What are we reading? Do you think this is a good way to, and she said it was really useful because then they began to see that it was wrong to, because she said, do you know this person's story? You know, do you know anything about this person? No. So don't judge. And uh, that's uh, really the, the song and the story, how they go together, let's say that. Um, and uh, it's been three years since the song has come out. And, um, but it really was uh, um, just an instinctive thing that the story needed a song. And now every story I write has a song. Um, I've written three stories recently and they all have uh, songs. I have to find some way of, of playing these songs to you and showing you the stories as soon as I can. Um, yeah, Sounds so. good, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's, uh, yeah, it's, um, as I said, the, the, the words came out really quickly. So I, sometimes I have a problem in remembering them because um, my, my my friend who I sing with always um, is laughs and says, Michael, how can you forget? <laughs> You've sung this song so many times. I don't know, I don't know, but uh, uh, there's something about it that, uh, but yeah, yeah. So the songs, songs are, are important. And it was in Indonesia that um, I realized how important they were because once I was speaking to a, 
class in Indonesia about Egghead and they started to sing the song as a surprise to me um, in English, beautiful connected speech in English, everybody was singing. And again, it was uh, another affirmation of how uh, these stories and songs can help with language so much, let's say. I think after this, then we will try to um, sing it together later when we want to publish the um, YouTube version for, for this podcast. <laughs> we certainly need to put the song Mas Thomas so that everyone will know that sure. um, head <laughs> sure. yeah, is accompanied with a beautiful yeah, song. Well, I mean, I I would love to make a, we can do it, we can, I'm going to be in the studio soon um, uh, to make another a song that for another story and uh, I can ask my friend that we can make a recording or something, especially for you oh, or something. You. Nice. Like, to be honest, when, um, when um, my friends, they noticed that in Indonesia they were singing the song, they were like really emotional. It was really a beautiful moment when you know, there was this across the, across the, across the skies, across the ocean, you know, there was this connection, let's say, you know, with this song. And um, so, uh, yeah, I think there would be, would be, it'd be nice to sort of sing something uh, for, for your podcast. Thank you. Um, anyway, Michael, as a book author, um, how do you see the power of books and the power of reading books? Mm. Yeah, that it, uh, it, immense power. Uh, stories are like a part of our part of from the very beginning. I think you know when we could. It's a, it was a way of communicating it was through stories, and so obviously at the beginning it was oral, and we we are all storytellers. We tell stories every day to each other, and and writing obviously reading stories is also really powerful. Um, when I was uh, a young boy and my teacher um, introduced me, like I, before I read comics, which is great and fine, wonderful. And I loved reading because I, I, got, I, I, I read comics. And I didn't know much about other things. And she suggested also other things. She said, that's great, Michael, you read about this. Try this as well. And so I would start reading, I started to read other stories. And basically uh, every evening from seven o'clock to nine o'clock in the evening before bed, because in England, there's a, when, as a child, the, the timetable is very strict, nine o'clock bed. And my father said, no television between seven o'clock and nine o'clock. And I thanked him for that when I was older, because in those two hours I, I would read. And I wasn't egghead anymore when I read. I was invited into a community of characters who didn't judge me. I could belong to them for two hours and jump, jump into their world when using my imagination. And they were the best two hours of my life every day. And they were the thing that I would wait for that moment when at seven o'clock, I could open the book, and I still remember those books, the cover, the color, 
everything about these books I still remember. They were like my my best friends. They were, and like when I opened them at seven o'clock in the evening, um, it was like opening a door, opening a door that I could walk through, and feel that I was somebody who counted, who was, who, who belonged. That was as simple as that. And, <clears throat> and at nine o'clock when I shut the book, I, it was like the door closed behind me, you know, and I had to go to bed and become me again. And it's a bit like, if you haven't had this feeling, I can only describe it in this way. When you go to the cinema, and you really good film, you forget yourself or you're inside the story. So if you, even if you don't, if people don't read, they have this sensation of being inside a story. And then suddenly the lights come on and on the screen you see the end and you become yourself again. And just for a few seconds, you feel a bit strange, especially when, is it true you have this feeling? And that was me every evening. Um, and, and books are even more powerful. Reading is even more powerful in this way because you are even more a protagonist, I think. You invent much more with your imagination. And, and so you, are, you forget about, you, you become, uh, for me it was uh, the single most important thing that helped me to get through a difficult period in my life and the single most important thing that helped me to do well academically. Reading anything helped me to become good at, at everything at school. All of the subjects I improved when I started reading like that. Um, it's an incredible personal affirmation of extensive reading uh, it really is i lived that i lived that experience i became really like academically and my parents would say where do you come from because my family have no kind of um <clears throat> had no kind of background in being in school at university or studying no love for studying and i was like michael is different he, he, he's so good at school you know and a simple reason was not because I was some kind of genius, it's because I was standing on the shoulders of, of, of the giants who told me these stories. So it's that important. And one more thing about reading for parents, uh, it's fundamental, it's fundamental to get your children to read because <clears throat> Excuse me. If they play, if they don't read, they don't understand, uh, learn about consequences. Because stories are full of characters that do things. And what they do has a consequence. And so living through a story, you learn that about responsibility. That what you do has a consequence. When you play a video game, there are no consequences. Because if you go, if you do something bad, you switch off the game and start again. And in life, you, you cannot do that. So it's really like a life skill. Reading is something that is not just inside the classroom, but it's also in life. So it's everywhere. Reading is fundamental and it's, uh, 
it, it makes the difference. Um, so yeah, it's really important. Important. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. It's really like a big, uh, big, uh, uh, one of the most important gifts you can give, uh, I think, to your children yeah. is a love of reading. Yeah. And if you read, they watch you read, and they read, and you're giving them the keys to so much uh, mm -hmm. joy, safety, knowledge, and everything. Yeah, totally agree. Thank you for saying that again, Michael. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pleasure. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure. And, uh... You're amazing. <laughs> you know, um, I've been holding my fears listening to your stories. <laughs> I don't want to cry. I don't want to cry. <laughs> Thank okay. You um, the opportunity to to talk about yeah. <laughs> things that I love so much. Yeah. Um, Michael, I know that you travel a lot uh, to tell your stories, right? And also promote extensive reading to students and children, especially in many places in Italy, right? Yes. Now that this pandemic happens, so does it yes. uh, influence or give you some impact on how you tell your stories and how you promote extensive reading? Absolutely. Um, I mean, it happened um, in Italy um, earlier than many other countries where I, I live. It was uh, already in February, it was starting to become, and I, I was doing my kind of normal thing. I was in Rome uh, um, talking about Eket with a school. Uh, um, I think there were like about three, four hundred students from this school and we, they were asking me questions. And, and then I went, and that was the south of Italy. Then I went to the north of Italy and to some some students about extensive reading. And so I went from the south to the north. And then when I got back home, it started like uh, COVID. And suddenly it was a big shock to me because, you know, I, 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 that my, my job does involve a lot of moving around and meeting people. And suddenly I couldn't do that. And so I had to learn pretty quickly to try to communicate the best way possible with uh, um, through these means through uh, I did um, three webinars in April about extensive uh, reading uh, which I think was just in Italy but there were th um, probably spoke to about like three four thousand student uh, teachers um, and that was maybe then you see an advantage to it because I could speak to so many teachers about something so important at one time when normally when you travel, you speak maybe to, even if it's a big event, maybe maximum 500. And I was speaking to much more, many more people. And then I did another seminar on um, extensive uh, reading for uh, TESOL. So I've been trying to do webinars. What I've been trying to do is to, see the advantage for it because you have to find the COVID is a terrible thing uh, and don't deny that and it's um but you have to find what is good about the situation there's no point in complaining i thought to myself because um it's not going to change anything so i have to find the good and i think the good i found with connecting with students and teachers is by 
um, this kind of way of communicating gives me a chance to go into a classroom for 10 minutes. And that's what I've been doing. <coughs> so with some teachers, arrange with them where I will tell a, a, a very quick story in 10 minutes, maybe a class. Uh, obviously they are wrong. Um, and so that's what I've been doing because, so you can have like, maybe you lose quantity, but you can have quality in this way. It's, it's trying to find a way to reach out. And so that is really uh, what I've been doing. And I found that for the students' stories who have been, they have been alone at home. But with stories, you can be alone together. It seems like a paradox, but you can. Stories, uh, reading gives that. Again, there is a community and you create a community even if you are not in the same room. So I think that is what has been happening. Uh, my discovery about this. I want COVID to finish really as soon as possible, as we all do. I want it to, to obviously to have the opportunity to physically go and visit schools. Um, but while we are in this situation, you know, that's what I think what the, the best um, thing about it is that I think that you can jump inside for 10 minutes or so. And also through songs. There is a song at the moment, which is called Across the Sky. Um, I don't know if you've uh, seen it, uh, listened to it, but it's about um, lockdown. It begins, uh, morning has arrived, the day is long. I can see the world outside my window. And it's about, and then it says, oh, I can do this, I can do that, I can do so many things. I can, um, and it's a kind of a message of hope. And a lot of children have listened to this song. And uh, so I can project that into the, into the mm. home as well. Mm. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for, what is it, um, helping us to see the positive things that we have to um, take a look at more than uh, the negative, what is it, impact from this pandemic. Uh, I mean, you know, sometimes we forget to remember that there are still good things that we can do and there are still good friends mm. around us and we can share. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're, you're not, not only that you're very inspiring, but you're very positive, and thank you for you know bringing up that energy for us. Thank and you so much. Thank you for giving me the chance. I mean, obviously, yeah, it's not it's not always easy to to be positive about it, but you know, it's yeah. uh, and and I think obviously we all need to channel our frustration in some way, and um, uh, you know that's normal. But uh, I think it's important to see that. You can have, like, I'm planning to, to meet some teachers and some students in October, and there is a plan A, like, maybe I will physically be able to go there. But if not, plan B, we have to see the positive, what I can do, maybe, like, or what we can do together, um, even if we stay inside a house, or I can't go to the school. There's something I can do, maybe. Oh, yeah, Michael. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with Uka actually. And maybe I need to ask you another thing. Mm -hmm. Michael, uh, do you have any messages for children 
and students around the world related to reading. Although you have said that, but I need you to say that again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I can, um, reading, yeah, um, I think that it, it's read uh, the message. The main message is keep reading and, and read, read on. And it doesn't matter what you read. There is no, uh, there's not, no such thing as a, a good book or a bad book or a good, it's what you want to read. That's really important to find that moment something that you read the, the the choice that you make really should be that you when you have a book where you reach a point where you can't stop that's the kind of when you find that uh material uh reading uh, that source that that does that to you then that's where that's the kind of thing that is made for you to read at that moment and so it's very important i think sometimes there is this idea that there is the perfect book to read or the perfect but no it's any anything that you love and because um so reading is something that um okay i mentioned about consequences as an example of like what reading does but it also gives you the gift of of, of helps you to become more okay have more empathy understanding of other people it sweeps away ignorance you know you practice understanding other people's points of view. You're reading because you have to you have to jump inside these other people's lives. And so it, it gives you so many things, so many skills. Um, it's, it's something that um, impacts upon every aspect, I think, of your life. And if you, so it's, I mean, I, I think it's, one of the reasons maybe why um, um, there are some problems in the world today is due to the fact that maybe less people are reading. You know, it's if you have somebody in the sky about to press a button to drop a bomb and they have only played video games, they will not care about who is at the end of that bomb or who is on the ground. If they have read, they will think twice before pressing that button because they will understand that there are consequences. They will understand that there are people on the ground. I don't think, you know, it's possible to make certain choices if you read and if you, uh, because you understand, you, you, you're not ignorant anymore. It's that, it's that important uh, as, as to become a, you know, it's to become, if you want your children to be, to become accomplished and happy human beings. Start reading, start reading yourself and your children will imitate you because they copy you. If they see you with a mobile phone all the time, they'll want a mobile phone. You have to give them what I called in the webinar that I did recently, the reading bug. And it means, yeah, that you get to a point where you cannot help yourself. It's like you are addicted to reading. And when you go on a journey, you have to have a book. If you don't have a book, it's like being naked. You know, <laughs> something's missing in my life, you know? Uh, and so the best as parents, what we could do is we have to read ourselves. That's, it's not forcing a child to read because it's very difficult to force a child to do anything. And it's not advisable. By example, then, so reading. Wow. Can you hear that next door? 
it's okay. Wow, it's it's a very powerful message, Michael. Wow, <laughs> I think uh, Lanoka, Thomas, and I were so inspired today, and I feel like I'm bringing positive energy. <laughs> it's in the morning here. It's morning for you, <laughs> I feel yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all at different times. Right. Which it's beautiful in a way you know we're connected mm -hmm. to all different times of the day it's so yeah it's, this yeah, is another example of how the positive side of um of technology because you know we're right. connecting right. <laughs> wow it's uh, it's really a very nice session uh, with you today michael but unfortunately we have to end our session now but before we end we have trivia questions for you mm -hmm. Uh, <laughs> that you have to answer quickly and Lanoka always say please answer quickly without thinking okay okay, <laughs> okay. question number one what is your favorite book <gasps> oh my favorite book is um, Catch-22 by Joseph Heller which is a book about war um, yes but it's also it's um, it's 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 a book that makes me laugh and cry and I, I that's why I love it so much and I often uh, come back to it. However, if you ask me this question tomorrow, maybe it would be another book. Uh, at the moment, that's the first thing that came to my mind. Uh, Catch-22. I love uh, certain scenes that I re relive in my mind over and over again that make me laugh when I'm walking down the street, uh, when I remember them. And uh, But you can also make me cry as well, Joseph. That book can do both these things. Do you know the book? No. I haven't read no, that. I haven't read that. I'll check later. It's a book against war. Uh, it's a based in the Second World War. But I can tell you, we haven't got time, but this book also is like special to me because I found it because someone threw this book at me when I was sitting by the river. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> said, read this, and they were on a boat. <laughs> and they threw it to me. And so I just... And that's how I got the book. It arrived to my like this in my hands. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but that's impossible. I mean, that's a really mean question. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Like asking, you know. Your favorite, you know, it's it's a tough question. And probably when we say goodbye, I was oh, I should have said no, something no. else. <laughs> yeah, I do agree, Michael. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. The next question, Michael. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, what is your favorite place to read? Favorite place to read. Pray? Uh, to read. 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 <laughs> yeah. My favorite place to read. Hmm. I. If I'm if I'm a little bit sad, um, my favorite place to read is um, in a public place. It's uh, like a park or something. If I feel a bit like disconnected with everything, if I read there, I feel as though I'm reconnecting, re-energizing. I feel as though I'm more connected with the world. Uh, so if I feel down, I go out to read. If I feel okay, I, I, it's really my my bedroom, my bed, because that's my me. That's my lifetime habit is to read myself to sleep, uh, and so I go to sleep with the the story in my mind, and so. My favorite place would be uh, in bed, um, definitely. The last, you know, the before sleeping. Nice answer. 
Another question you could ask maybe somebody is what's the strangest place that you have ever read? That would be interesting. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> can, you, <laughs> can you give up, just ask, up give us the answer, or, Michael? Yeah, or, <clears throat> yeah. Well, it's been, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I think, uh, thank you. I mean, it's, you've made me feel so comfortable, all of you. And uh, it's like, uh, uh, I've really enjoyed myself. And I, I think I, I always the sign that something is good is that uh, I, I, I could go on for hours. And that's always <laughs> a sign that it means that you've made me feel so comfortable. And um <laughs> And I've enjoyed myself so much that, um, you know, it's uh, thank you so much for inviting me and, uh, and giving me this chance to speak to, to you and, uh, and to the people who are watching or, or, or listening. And uh, uh, it's an honor to have that chance to speak to, to all of you. Thank you so much. You've made me oh smiling all day now. Thank you. I hope to yeah, see you soon in person. You know, Indonesia next year. There's something very important happening, and you know, I hope, I hope, I can we get I get the chance to to be there. And if obviously if uh, if there is no problem with uh, viruses and things, then I will be there. You know, I mean, it will be a great moment to see yeah. all of you. We'll be happy to meet in person. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Thank yeah, Michael. You. Actually, actually, we don't want to stop the session for sure. We can ask <laughs> Bu again, Bu Yuseka, but yeah, but yeah, but thank you so much for being with us today. It is really great to have uh, listened to your sharing. They are very inspiring, and I hope I can read your next books in the future. And stay safe and healthy. See you. You too. You take care. Take yeah. care, everybody. Bye-bye. Lovely to speak yeah. to you. Lovely. Yeah. Thank you. So thank you um, to all Sobat Naming um, who have listened to our session today. Stay healthy and happy to you all. Goodbye. See you. See you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Okay.